Today's episode of Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Showtime's White Famous. White Famous is a new Showtime original comedy series about trying to make it in Hollywood, starring SNL vet Jay Farrow as Floyd Mooney, a comedian whose career is about to blow up, but he's not sure he's ready for all that. Can he make it without losing his soul? White Famous is executive produced by Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx and the creator of Californication, Tom Kapanos. The show is based on Jamie Foxx's real-life experience and also stars Jacob Ming, Trent, and more. You can watch the hilarious season premiere right now for free on YouTube. Download the Showtime app now to start your free trial. Catch new episodes Sundays at 10 p.m. only on Showtime. And welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is Group Chat, our informal conversation among LA staffers at the Ringer HQ. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by Justin Barrier. Hi, friends. And Haley O'Shaughnessy. Hello. 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 What a day to be a Los Angelino. <laughs> you know, a lot of stuff happening last night. We're going to get to this Clippers Lakers game, which was actually not super interesting as a game. It was more interesting as uh, a sequel to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> Where, where Lonzo Ball got in with the Master Blaster, which is Patrick Beverly. Haley's looking at me because she's never seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. No, I have not. Uh, Patrick Beverly basically introduced, he baptized Lonzo last night. It was almost as if the point guards in the NBA have this group chat going. Yes. And Pat Beverly was the first one up to take his, his, like his hacks on Lonzo. Yeah. And it yeah, was, but he was also probably the one like texting the most in that group. Right, he's like, like the most you guys. I haven't heard from you in a while, but just FYI, <laughs> like definitely planning on going at Lonzo. The, the one play where he just kind of bumped into him, yeah, like there was no need for that. Yeah. He just went there and just wanted to make his presence felt. It was a quote unquote Lakers home game, mm-hmm. but they both played Staples. Obviously, uh, he just took him on like for ninety four feet. He even said that he was just like I was just going to guard him for ninety four feet. He was not going to have one single easy dribble. And it was such an interesting clash of personalities because if there is one thing in the Lonzo book, it's that he seems like, albeit, you know, Kyle Kuzma half-court shot competitions aside, (laughs) he's a somewhat laid-back personality, right? Right, right. I think that's what people forget a lot about him. Like, his dad is the bullhorn, but he's really just, like, the third guy in the back not saying anything. And even, like, physically, he looked really small. Like, a lot of the Lakers just look tiny. Like, their starting lineup almost looked like a middle school team where you have that really (laughs) big guy at center who just sits there and catches lobs and whatever. Uh, No, even Ingram, who's, like, supposedly bulked up, I'm like, Really? Like, yeah. have you? Because you still look really, really small. Yeah, they look like they could fit in the Bucks carry-on luggage, you know? <laughs> um, I saw one funny thing last night, which I guess is like, you don't really get a lot of bodyguard stuff going on in the NBA anymore, but they were, like, I think that it was interesting that Pat Pat Bev was, like, harassing Lonzo, like, all night long. And, and then not- he acted like he was doing him a favor. He was like, I'm not <laughs> doing this because I have some personal vendetta. This is, like, going to help you later But he on. actually articulated, you know, you watch stuff and you're just like, this is just first-take bullshit. Like, this isn't real. But he was like, LeVar talks a lot of trash mm-hmm. and his son has to pay the bill. Like, that was wild that he said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I told him due to all the riffraff his dad brings, he's going to get a a lot of people coming at him and he has to be ready for that. So he really thinks like, hey, look, I'm doing you a favor. This is nothing personal, but it's going to come at you all season. I mean, Patrick Beverly is the guy that went out at Russell Westbrook. Yes. So I I think we should have expected him to just go right at Lonzo. Uh, It definitely brings, you know, it was cool to see the Clippers like 
have like that ferocity, which I think that they often, you know, they did over the CP3 era, but often that ferocity was pointed inwards. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. At other teammates or Vinny Del Negro or Doc Rivers or one, you know, like DeAndre missing foul shots. But this time it was, you know, they had a real attitude and it was kind of like, I, I don't think that it can last in terms of the overall team health, but it was pretty fun to watch the rooster out there and Milos and Blake looked good. It was, you know, they just looked like they were in a completely different universe than the Lakers, and I feel really stupid for suggesting the Lakers <laughs> would make a run at the playoffs this Did year. Did you do that? Yes. Uh, okay. NBA Ringer Palooza. You can watch videos on the ringer.com. <laughs> yeah. I stand by my work. There are receipts. I mean, yeah, the Clippers just, like, they have veteran guys. We forget that when we talk a lot about, like, these hyped guys coming in, a lot of new phases going to other teams. But Blake Griffin is a freaking all-star, and, like, DeAndre Jordan is a large man, and, yeah. like, that alone mm-hmm. is just enough to, like, combat, uh, like you were saying, Brandon Ingram just, like, trying to create space for himself. We also haven't seen Doc Rivers coach a legitimate second unit in, like, how long has it been? Like, five years? He hasn't had a second unit. Oh, By wow. choice, yes. obviously, because he's By the GM. Yes. yes. But I haven't seen him be like, oh, I'm going to mix and match. I'm going to put this guy in now. I'm going to let this, like, this offense, we're going to change gears. Blake's going to run the offense. Blake's going to go on the block. But DeAndre in, DeAndre out. It was just like, man, like, you know, one game, but it, it's going to be like, you're not going to get the same old Clippers this year. Right, but even, like you said, like, their intensity on the court, did any locker room change more in terms of, like, now they're all, like, okay, let's go all in and, like, play these games super aggressively, whereas before it was, like, Chris Paul getting fed up with everybody not playing super aggressively, or Chris Paul getting fed up with DJ, or right. getting fed up with Blake, or whoever. Or fed up with his hamstrings. Or Austin, yeah. Let's talk about Chris Paul, because in a, uh, what you could consider a troll move a little bit, last night before... Consider the, a troll move. I mean, it was that definitely one hundred percent. But a I troll just move. mean specifically the release time. Yeah, like they could have put this true. out at any point over the last three weeks, probably. Probably. And yeah. they chose to put it out right before the Clippers play the Lakers. Chris Paul released a, a short film, a documentary. I don't know on ESPN, like a mini doc. That basically was his version of the decision, I guess. But it, the decision, rather than talking to Jim Gray, he was talking to Jay Z. Jay-Z's longtime engineer, Young Guru, great interview. Young mm-hmm. Guru is a very, very good talker. With Jay-Z sipping champagne and eating peanuts? Yes. <laughs> I thought those were wings at first, and then I was very disappointed when I found out they were peanuts. And uh, No ID, the producer. Uh, and Chris Paul just hanging out in the studio, um, really just like going through all of his decision-making of like whether he's going to— and it's, it's set before, I mean, it was filmed before he made his decision, but it's this black-and-white handheld footage, and it's just CP3 being like— you know, like, my family loves it here in L.A., my brother lives here. I get but, to see you guys. Yeah. A lot of camera time for his brother, too. Yes. His brother was hanging out. A lot of mentions of his brother. I'm yeah. just like, he's your brother. Like, I'm sure he's fine with whatever you decide. <laughs> you know, like, he's going to go with you regardless. Yeah, it's not like he's going to be like, I'm staying in L.A., Chris. <laughs> Clipper strong. Uh, I, and then, you know, he goes through all these, all these decisions, but, like, very candid about more or less saying that the Clippers were not serious about challenging the Warriors. Their culture was bad. Yeah, and that the culture was bad. Even, he was even like, when I was in New Orleans, everyone would come hang out together, and when I asked them here, they were like, do I have to go? Which was very revealing, but also like, you know, okay, you left the team. Maybe you didn't have to put that in the documentary. Right, and that's exactly what Doc Nobody's said. blaming you for leaving the team. Obviously, they weren't doing anything every postseason. It was super mediocre for a team that had that much talent. Yeah. Nobody's like, oh, he shouldn't have gone... This is not the decision. He also so got really lucky didn't... because there was a thousand of the things that happened from when he got traded to Houston. That's like, right. is, for as significant as that trade was, 
it's like a blip on the radar of Kyrie, Carmelo. Right. Paul you know. George being like, I'm not going to sign with you guys yeah. again to Indiana. Yeah. Also seems pretty terrible to hang out with Chris Paul in a social <laughs> setting. Like, how many times can you go bowling, dog? Yeah. It's also just like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Man, I was really thinking I'd sit deeply in this couch and think about my future. It's like, cool. I'm going to UCB. You guys want to watch you- The Deuce later? <laughs> no, Plus I want to watch Treme, Justin. Thanks. If you uh, did go bowling with him or like to trivia night, like does his competitiveness carry over? Because that would be I'm kind sure. Of I'm sure he's one of those guys that won't let anybody have He's like have Googling fun. during trivia night under the table. Yeah, right. It's pretty terrible. It did seem like he was interested interested in Boston, though, which I thought was like something that I hadn't heard before. Yeah, very that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they also, I mean, I think that the way that they constructed that video is very uh, crafty, too, where, I mean, I was talking to you about this yesterday, where all the footage that they play from, you know, the sports media, quote unquote, is all ESPN shows. Right. So they create this, in you know, like impression that we were sitting around 24 hours a day talking about where will Chris Paul go, which was like. It came up. Yeah. There was like rumors about him being sort of enamored with Spurs, but right. I don't feel like we were like, man, have you guys heard any updates about Chris Paul? Like, yeah, every we were five like, seconds. okay, it seems like he's gonna go back to the Clippers. You could get the most money there, blah blah blah. But and also like we had to work out that the Spurs didn't have any room, but we were not like that enamored with it. Yeah, it, it felt pretty cut and dry at the time, and I remember being shocked by how quickly things came out. Yeah, he picked the Rockets. He got traded to the Rockets, and it was a done deal. There wasn't even like a rumor to the Rockets that like kind of built the. They didn't like yeah hold the rock. They didn't like demand the world from the Rockets. They like got got a very fair return for him. They basically restocked the entire roster for Chris Paul. Right. Besides your Nostradamus. Uh, blog post. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I'm at this point, like I, I don't feel like I'm getting. I guess that's really what I'm saying is like I'm annoyed that first take. Got referenced, you know, and all these and around the horn, all these things got referenced as if I wasn't the one calling Chris Paul to Houston. That was your news break. I know. Man. What, that was your is it your pin tweet? Because if not, that's your own <laughs> I'd be putting that. I'd be dropping that in anytime Chris Paul did anything. Um, so Chris Paul, you know, and then the interesting thing I think also in terms of timing is that the Rockets, while they beat the Warriors uh, the first night with Chris Paul playing, who eventually like. Basically didn't play that much. He in the barely, first quarter yeah, he barely of this played. Knee injury that he apparently has. And Which then, thank God because he did. Like I, I didn't really understand like what their plan was at all. And in the documentary, he says, "I really want to play more off ball. I want to like spot up. I want to be in I the corner." I just want to play on the wing. Mm. I was like, yeah. "Since when?" And I was yeah. like, "Chris Paul, that's not you." Like <laughs> that's why I thought, okay, this thing is super doctored. And maybe they dropped it then because he was like, okay, let's release the footage of me saying I don't want to run the ball that much because James took it down the court nearly yeah. every time. Well, and that, you know, I've if you look at that Rockets footage, I think one of the themes of the, this, the early part of the year is going to be this idea of, like, what do you do when you have a team with all these stars? And how do you... Do you, do you want to put all of your best players on the court at the same time and figure it out? Or do you want to say, hey, like... These guys can play together X amount of minutes, but as far as I'm concerned, I have like two or three really high-grade lineups that I can throw out there, and we can actually throw out a plan B, a plan C. Like in soccer all the time, there's always these like tactical genius managers who like Pep Guardiola who manages Manchester City, and he's just like, all he does is attack. He possesses the ball, and then they attack, and they score like seven goals a game. And then sometimes when it gets a little tighter and they play like top-level, te- like his teams in the past when they've played against in Champions League stuff, Sometimes defensive teams can stymie them and they have to like figure out a plan B and he doesn't really like plan Bs, you know, and I I think that one of the things that will be interesting to watch with the Rockets, the Thunder, all these teams is 
what's what's the plan B? Is there a team that runs their ass off with James Harden running point or Eric Gordon running point, and then there's a Chris Paul version that basically closes the door on the game and and chokes out possession? It's really it's going to be fascinating to see how they incorporate it. Yeah, it's interesting that like all these teams are top heavy, but some of the teams that are a bit more versatile could, that could do a bunch of different things, like you're mentioning. I wonder if they have an added advantage. Like I think back to those Spurs teams that went to the finals back to back, kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, they always really had uh, the type of personnel to match up with every team. Like you can go splitter Duncan, uh, you could throw Diaw in there, and and they really were able to counter the Heat, a team that's like as top heavy as any in recent history, simply by having the ability to do whatever they needed to do. Yeah. Right, and it's interesting thinking about the Eastern Conference because the teams that could uh, surprise the Cavs and maybe um, Boston are like Washington. Like they don't have a bench. No, they don't so, have a plan. So B. what you see is what you get. It's like John, it's like this offense as ever, as long as everyone's playing the best they can. That's exactly the team you're going to have to like plan for or plan against. And I thought that maybe like one of the deepest teams in the East was actually going to be the Heat because they have they in the first game. They didn't start either of the brothers Johnson. <laughs> and like they came off the bench. And that's a really tough duo to well, come off the bench. Well, the Heat's almost the inverse. It's like, what's the Heat's plan A? Right. Right? I know, right. Because the exactly. Heat don't know who is, who's taking this, the shot at the end of the game. And they don't know, like, at, out of the gate, who are we just going to go to to keep us in the game in the first and third quarters and just like kind of like set the tone. I don't, I don't, on any given night, I have no idea what the Heat are going to do. And that, that can be an advantage or it can be a disadvantage. Right. Whiteside will yell at someone. But yes. other than that, <laughs> yeah. I think it could also just be a point in the season. Sort yeah. of thing. Like earlier in the season, the teams that have not only continuity. Like, like one game. <laughs> yeah, it feels like 30 at this point. No, but the teams that have the depth are obviously going to be able to uh, to do a little bit more, going to be a little bit more cohesive. Whereas a team like the Rockets, uh, you saw them go in crunch time against the Warriors. They kind of fell back into the team that they were last year simply because that worked. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Chris Paul was healthy enough to go. I don't know if it was just... Uh, precautionary or what, but what they had worked, and obviously it was successful on that night. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets definitely need somebody who, when the game gets down to three or four points, one, either either way lead, like, they need somebody who can be like, Let's actually like think about this for a second rather than chuck, you know, and like right, we can but chuck all game. Chris Paul, right? I think so. But Chris Paul was talking about himself as if he's like, I'm fine being like Kyle Korver out on the wing. And, I don't and, like, believe it in crunch time. Yeah. I absolutely don't believe that at all. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk a little bit about these rookies. Today's episode of Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Captera. There is a software solution to every business need, and Captera.com can help you find yours. Whether you're a startup looking to keep better track of customers, a nonprofit hoping to have a record fundraising year, or a business that simply needs better payroll software, Captera's got you covered. Captera has over 400 categories of business software to, for you to choose from. Anything from email marketing to scheduling to accounting and beyond. Captera makes it easy to find what you're looking for, and you won't waste your time on free trials that go nowhere because Captera has thousands of ratings and reviews from actual software users just like you. Best of all, using Captera is absolutely free. Captera connects you with the best business software that will help you do what you do better. Visit captera.com slash MBA today and join the millions of people who use Captera. That's captera.com, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash MBA, captera.com slash MBA. Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is also brought to you by the big homies at DraftKings. It's week seven and football season is in full swing, which begs the question, 
How's your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round, or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee or a collarbone. The good news is it's not too late to forget the injuries and get back in the winning column with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. With DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. There is no better way to turn your love of football into cash this Sunday. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code BASKETBALL to play free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code BASKETBALL to play free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million. DraftKings, the game's inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Guys, we are coming out of probably the most hyped rookie summer in recent memory where, like, all we talked about was the rookies outside of the free agent signings. It was like Lonzo, Dennis Smith, Markel Fultz, what's wrong with his shoulder? It's going to be fine. Stop looking at me like that. (laughs) But I wanted to kind of see, after, like, the incredibly small one-game sample size, uh, how we were feeling about some of these rookies and we can buy or sell on their stock. Um, Just in general, one of the things I noticed is that the guys who seem to play very hyper-aggressively and uh, physically, like De'Aaron and Dennis, did well. Right. They were like, I'm ready to go. Let's, I, I, I'm, ag- I'm aggressive. I'm competitive out here. Mm-hmm. The guys who were a little bit more like, I play at my own tempo. I'm waiting for the, you know, like I play in the flow. I'm just sort of like trying to find myself out here. Lonzo, Markel had a little bit more of a challenge. Markel actually had a pretty decent stat line at the end of the night if you just don't look at the way it looked. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it also helped that De'Aaron played the Rockets on a back-to-back. Yes. And I believe Dennis Smith played the Hawks. Yes. <laughs> and they even lost to the Hawks, which, which is not <laughs> which good. Is, yeah. He's going to have a dunk a night, though. Yeah. Like, that's the type of team that I'm not going to watch, but I'm going to see him dunk on someone every night, and I'm going to love him for it. Right. Another highlight team, just like I said Denver was last year. You, yeah. like, watch the highlights, but maybe not the entire game. All yeah. right, so let's see. Let's do a little bit of buying and selling of stock on a couple of these rookies here. Uh, starting with the number one overall pick, Markel Fultz. Did you watch? Did you watch him against Washington? I did. Um, I think that people are well. Okay, so anytime you're attached to the number one pick, there's all this around you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think that what people are kind of forgetting about him is that he's got two guys on his team, Ben and Joel, who like have also are also trying to prove themselves in the NBA. So I think that uh, like with him, let's give him a month, see how it goes. You know, it was a very underwhelming start. But I think that there's more interesting things to watch yeah. on the Sixers. And I think that, like you said, he's kind of like a, okay, let me let the game come to me. Let me kind of like see what I'm going to do instead of like drive it to the basket every time. Like he needs time before we can decide what the exactly The Sixers are good. They have to like. figure out how to win. Like they have good players now. They just have to figure out like what are we going to do with them. Yeah. It almost feels like Fultz is ancillary to everything now. Yeah. Because you forget that Ben Simmons also a big star. Joel Embiid, also a big star. I like what they have. Like, Fultz was able to work his way in, and I think the trolling has been so hard that if he does anything positive, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, this guy could do it. Uh, I think they have a lot of versatility on their roster. I, for- I think we forget how much depth they have. I did notice, and I know we were talking about this the other day, it just seemed like there's a little bit of a clash going on with Joel and, and This ben has Simmons. been bubbling up. This is like, I've heard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I did not see that. 
Well, Joel, it seems like any time he has a center on him that he thinks less of, which is everyone, he wants to go at them. Like, you went at Yon, skinny Jan Mahimi a few times, mm-hmm. just off the dribble, trying to take him from the yeah, top of the key. Yeah, when you say go at them, you mean from the top of the key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, that's probably better than most options on most teams, but still, it was, it was very much like old school Dwight Howard, where he was just calling for the ball in the post, and it was like dribble, 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 and then he does his thing. Right. Uh, I just think, like, when you look at that team, and based on what I had heard briefly from one of the people I know on the Sixers, just it seems like there is a little bit of a clash there, just in terms of like style of play. Ben's the type of guy who's going to want to push the ball. Joel's very much a half court sort of guy. And I think when you factor in maybe some ego stuff and just everything else with that team, just I think. Just simply like two, a, a seven footer and a nearly seven footer occupying a similar zone of the court is like, yeah. that's not a lot of room to work. You right. Know? Yeah. It's like 14 feet of human like standing <laughs> right. around in, in like, a, a, like a, a box, like at the top of the key who want to like kind of operate with the full view of the court. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even playing Okafor at this point. I don't think I understood until I saw last on, on, a, on them play the Wizards, like what Ben Simmons point guard meant both. All for better for me, except for the can't shoot part. Uh, <laughs> but he is like a ball dominant guard. It's not like I'll bring it up and if I have like a laser pass, like great. But otherwise, like dribble handoff and I'll get into like a set. It's like right. Whereas that's how most taller point guards. Yeah, are. he's yeah. probing and he's yeah. he's like I'm gonna basically try to dribble drive and and then kick out or you know or dribble back out or whatever. And it's like watching a guy. I mean, not Nash-like in the shooting at all, but, like, his intention is to sort of collapse a defense. People are sagging off of him, so he's going to drive a little bit. And then he's got to learn a floater or be able to hit, like, a five-foot jumper consistently if, or for this offense to work at all. I'm curious if you guys think that whatever tension uh, Ben and Joel might have will, like, go away as the season progresses just simply because, like, I think that we're not considering that Joel thinks he has a lot to prove because he's probably... I mean, think about it. You've been on the bench for three years. Mm -hmm. You've only played 31 games. Now, what, 32? And then, like, the same thing with Ben. Like, he didn't get to play all last year. You know what I mean? So it's like they definitely want each possession to... It's a great unknown, man. It's like these guys just, like, are thought experiments. Yeah. I mean, if you look at their issues, I think it is a lot of just trying to feel each other out at Mm -hmm. this point. They're very disjointed. I think Simmons only had one turnover, but as a team, they had a lot of turnovers. Yeah. On defense, they just looked out of sorts. So, I mean, it's the type of thing that happens with new teammates. I think it's especially the type of thing that happens with rookies and, and young guys. Wouldn't and be like, surprised if that's why they're playing Bayless, like they're starting Bayless, is they need like yeah. two guys out there to be like, no, you stand over there. Like, that's where you stand. Yeah, Reddick like, and Amir Johnson are going to be big for this yeah. team simply because they're old heads. Okay, so we have two, two rookies on the Sixers, Byer, Sol, and Fultz. I'm going to... I'm going to sell for now. Okay. Yeah, I'm selling. Okay, Sorry, I'm buying everybody. both of your stock. Ben Simmons? <laughs> Buy for sure. Buying though, I am worried about the turnovers. Uh, buying, I I would love a jumper. Yeah, just like right. just some 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 distance yeah. that he is hot from. Uh, okay, De'Aaron Fox, we already sung, sung his praises, but like you right. said, buy. against buy. the Rockets on the second night of bet, buy buy for him. Give me all of it. Uh, what about Lonzo? I guess I think that Lonzo will actually be fine, but I will be interested to see if the that if the Pat Bev thing goes in the book. Of like Lonzo doesn't like it when you jump into shorts. Yeah, if that becomes, even if it's, if a coach is like, I'm not gonna make Chris Paul chase Lonzo ball all night, but the backup can. 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whoever will find somebody on the bench who's like, why don't you go out there and drive him nuts for a while? Yeah. Right. Well, he already won't play against. Is it Darren Fox? <laughs> is it like? Is that the thing? Well, that's so, the that's he's always like got back soreness. Like it's when yeah, it's played. a made yeah. it's the thing the ma- internet made up. But like, okay, if well, b- if Boogie believes it, <laughs> so and Boogie says it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know it is? <laughs> yeah, the Boogie News Network. Yeah, I'm buying Lonzo just like my reasonable expectations for him going into the season. I think he's very much the type of guy who, if you put in a team with a lot of talent, he's gonna shine. And I wonder if, like, the Lakers just not having many frontline guys around him is going to hurt him. He definitely looks shook. I did like how last night, even though he didn't have anything going, especially shooting-wise, mm-hmm. he did get a lot of rebounds. Like, he was getting in there. And I think that's the thing you hear from coaches all the time. Like, if your offense isn't going, just, like, go do something. Go touch the ball. Yeah. Right. So he didn't completely give up. That's a really good point. But I will be curious to see if guys getting in his head is a problem going forward. Yeah. He already has enough on his back. Yeah. You know, shouldering the pressure of whatever is dad has put on him yeah so that'll be interesting because he already has a lot of that uh what about jason tatum who all of a sudden his season changed five minutes into the season when when gordon hayward went down um tatum all of a sudden went from hey anything he gives us is like an added bonus to we need maybe 25 points a night out of this guy it's a bit much. I've never been the big Tatum fan. I know that the Celtics loved him. I know Kevin O'Connor <laughs> has uh, you know, a shrine to him in his home. Um, Bill, too. I don't know. Yeah. Bill, too. I, I think he did good in the first night. I was impressed by that. I really like J- Jalen Brown and what this is going to like the opportunities are going to do for him. I don't know with Tatum. I, I've just never been a huge fan with him. Right. Brown sees, Brown seems ready for those minutes. I think Brown also is like, I'm ready. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. It's like he's like, I, this is, I'm the number three. He's like, three I was waiting for this last like, year. Yeah, exactly. With Tatum, I've seen, I think that maybe he might be a tad bit overhyped right now, but maybe people are looking for something to grasp onto after Hayward. But I saw on Twitter like new Mellow, new Kobe, which I think is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just just log off. Take one chill pill. Log off. But I mean, I see a lot of great things in him. I, I would buy for sure. Okay. The thing that's interesting about the Celtics is much like the Sixers, this injury now sort of changes their internal roster landscape a little bit. It's like now all of a sudden Marcus, there's all this to expect from Marcus Smart. Who's who, now injured too. And who is also going to be an RFA at the end of the season because they couldn't come to a deal. And before Gordon Hayward got hurt, uh, Marcus's agent was like, they'll pay for this. <laughs> like, I'm going to, like, basically this is going to be, this got a lot more expensive for them. Yeah. So now we have Jalen Brown, who definitely thinks he's ready. Jason Tatum, who a lot of draft Knicks think is ready and Marcus Smart whose agent thinks he's ready and they have to play with a guy in Kyrie Irving who might let's just say hypothetically think well now I have to score a lot more Mm -hmm. he didn't think that before uh, I think he was like, I have like a, you know, I, I mean, like I have actually just in the little bit that, you know, the Celtics have played, I was like, Kyrie's dominating the ball and like shooting mid-range jumpers and double coverage. Like that's probably not what Brad Stevens wants, but maybe that's what he'll get this season. I, I would imagine that somewhere deep down inside, like Kyrie's like hero ball time. Yeah, I feel like the season set itself up originally for this to be the Kyrie revenge season. Him and LeBron were probably going to be the biggest storyline in the league because the Warriors were just going to win a million games and no one would care. Uh, I think it's setting itself up if we're going to guess the narrative, which we like to do on this podcast. Yes. Uh, I think... (laughs) Good segue. Yeah. Let's get into that. This is my first time. That was skillful. Yeah. So Uh, guess the narrative of the Celtics. Tell me what we're going to be... Like, what's the storyline now? I think it's Kyrie against the world. And uh, honestly, I think this is what exactly what he wants. This is what he set out to do he wanted to have his own team and he's kind of it's kind of like be careful what you ask for at this point uh, I think we're gonna see a lot of shots from him because 
Even against the Bucks, I know they were on a back-to-back. They just look disjointed. I I don't know. They don't really have much in reserve here. They're a thin team to begin with, mm-hmm. and now you have to play all these rookies. It's a lot of Kyrie going forward. Right. It is kind of like be careful what you ask for because obviously like Kyrie didn't have a no-trade clause. He didn't necessarily pick the Celtics that we know, but he also went to a team that was like, had just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's like, yeah, I want this to be my team. Like, this is my chance. But also, like, you're going to a really good team already. And now a lot of things are shaken up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. what I think that the Celtics will probably, like, be there when, you know, we get to late November and everybody starts to level out. That's where Brad Stevens will probably shine. He'll be like, I can get these guys ready on a night-to-night basis and throw different things out there and beat beat teams that we're supposed to beat. And I think the Celtics will remain like pretty pretty competitive and above 500. But I do think that their title dreams, if maybe even their Eastern Conference Finals dreams, might be over. Yeah, opens the doors for the Bucs. Yeah. I do think it's probably best for the Celtics long-term because either way they're going to have to rely on these young guys and they even might have another one in the mix next year if they keep the pick. Uh, that they might get from the Lakers. Uh, so, I don't know. I think it's going to be better for them, but this season just seems like a wash. Yeah, Right, and wasn't the whole Celtics thing like, okay, Kyrie is younger than Isaiah. Like, wasn't their whole thing like building for the future anyway? Yeah. Right. That was going to be my guess narrative is just basically these teams that were around the from like four to six range in the Eastern Conference, uh, Toronto, Washington. Not well, Toronto. Was gonna, Washington was probably going to be higher than four, but those middle-tier teams, Eastern Conference teams like Toronto, Washington, and Milwaukee. Now the narrative goes from can you guys get better to this is your shot at the Eastern Conference Finals because this is a diminished Boston team. This is a Cavs team that might go through injuries and may not take the season that seriously until they get to the spring. Like, that's... And and you know what? Giannis is playing up to that. I was just going to say, who did you guys like better out of the opener, the Wizards or the Bucks? Who Giannis looks more. really good. Yes, and you forget Man, how much leverage that they have on that team. I like that team that they've built around him. The good thing about Giannis is you can essentially play him as the one on offense and the five on defense. Yes, like I like Maker. He has some potential there, but you could pretty much just put four shooters out there and be like Giannis, win us the game on defense and win us the game on offense. That's tough to stop. But do they have four shooters? That was going to say, do they? They have enough. I mean, Milton's Snell. good. I guess you're counting on Brogdon a lot. Snell again. I, yeah. I think they have enough the, to put together. The Delhi, the Delhi no rotation shot. Right. With their with their surrounding cast, you're kind of counting on them having like the optimal year for shooting. Otherwise, right. I'm not really sure it's going to be exactly the Bucks team that it could be. And yeah. there's such a premium on shooting now. I don't even know. Right. It's like, are we overreacting for to that would be available? Shooting. Like. To get that shooter. Yeah, they have a lot of money tied up in centers. I mean, Gregor Moreau is still on the books. John Henson is still on the books. And for some reason, they picked DJ Wilson in the draft. Yeah. Not a guy I really liked, but I don't know. Wizards look good, though. Yes. The Wizards know what they are already. Yeah, exactly. Well, we knew what they were last year. Yes. And they're the same thing. Yeah, but like they, you know, by the, by, I think it took them a while to be like, so Otto's the guy, right? Like Otto's going to be the third option. Otto, and Otto started that Sixers game being like, I, I have no reason not to shoot every time I get like the ball like I am I am like a legitimate offensive threat obviously like a lot depends on three guys Ubre, Tim Frazier and guy but like you know and who's the other one Cortot well I would not depend I don't even know who the third guy off like who's the third guy on the Wizards coming off the bench who can help them Meeks I guess yeah he played a lot you know Meeks played a lot against the Sixers and it's just 
they they have an uh, awesome starting five. Jason Smith accepted, and <laughs> that will be their. They are going to be the on off team. Like when when Wall and Beal are not playing, if they stagger them or not. Scott Brooks not no not a noted staggerer of minutes. <laughs> right. um, it'll be just really interesting. But I think that now those guys have to be thinking like the basement is the Eastern Conference Finals for us. If we don't get there, we're a failure. Yeah, and a lot of these teams again thin. Like one injury to these teams, yes. and I think it's going to look pretty dumb. And like, what happens if Horford goes down for the Celtics? Yeah, they're like, they're looking at Aaron Baines as like the only interior player they have, really. Yeah, and Ky- like Kyrie too. Yeah, like he's had a, he's had a pass oh, yeah, where he'll absolutely. like just dip out for a couple games, you know, like ankle, knee. It's always like something like kind of minor, yeah. but then I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a bummer too. Yeah, injuries are going to play a huge part of the season. All right, we we got through these guess the narratives. Let's talk a little bit about some opinions we're not willing to give up on. This segment is called I Don't Care, I'm Dying on This Hill. A Bill, favorite. A, a Bill Simmons classic. Yes. <laughs> Mine's Mellow Renaissance. Okay. What did you call it? The Mellowsance. Yeah. I know that you don't agree with me, Justin, but did you watch last night? I did. Some folks in our Slack won't even let us have like five <laughs> minutes of like nice game for Mellow. And right. It's like against a crap team and he's not even being <laughs> efficient. Well, yeah. there are quite a few New Yorkers in our Slack yes. as well. Yes. All right. I just want to read you guys some numbers. Okay. I, mean, I really like numbers. I'm a big <laughs> math guy. Russell Westbrook, plus 29. Pretty good. Pretty good. Paul George, plus 23. Also pretty good. Steven Adams, even, plus 26. Carmelo Anthony, plus zero. This dude is a, a <laughs> nothing. He's got nothing. You know who was a plus 23 on this team? Abrinus! <laughs> Give me Abrinus the god. If you were playing, but it's like, come on, if you're going to start a pickup team, you're going to pick Abrinus over Carmelo because it was yes. plus minus? I love his beard. Uh, who was the guy who brought up plus minus the other day? Joel or Hassan? Uh, Joel brought it up oh, against yeah. Hassan. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, like he's reading into those too. Yeah, as if we didn't love Joel enough, he's just bringing up advanced stats. Yeah, he's like, "Hey guys, I like advanced stats too. Don't <laughs> worry, pick me up on your fantasy team and tweet me about it. I'll be great." <laughs> Joel's gonna do like a twenty thousand word Q and A on cleaning the glass. <laughs> um, just, just his thoughts on the four factors. Uh, here's the thing. Um, Carmelo had wide open looks last night, and yeah. I know it was against a team that might not be able to win the like. You know the MAC conference yeah, in college but with basketball. Paul George and Russ, he might always have those looks. They looked. I thought they looked good last night. I, I I thought Stephen Adams looked good. I thought they had that thing where you're like, you can't guard all these guys. You know they say like the it's like the reverse of one ball. It's like yeah, but there's only five defenders. I so have been you waiting cannot for double exactly three people. And Melo like should not be the first option. No, you know he's what I mean. Stand been, out been, on the wing and be like, oh look, everybody followed Russell yes, in the lane. I have a yes. wide open three pointer. And that is those. that is how we remember how great he once was. Wide open, being the third option. Wide open shots that he made forty percent of the time. Okay, <gasps> it's not great. Also, Hater. take off the hoodie, man. <laughs> I'm sick of the hoodie. Why? Why are we Maybe still doing this? You're wearing a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, you're literally not on my head. <laughs> we are in Los Angeles, and Justin Barrier is wearing a hoodie. I don't know what the weather's like. In I think OKC, it's just that the plague but... is sweeping through the rear office, so we're all we're all dressed for winter, even yeah. though it's still, it's still ninety degrees here. outside. All right, Justin, what's your? I don't care. I'm dying on this hill. So I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod already, but I picked Blake Griffin preseason to win MVP last year. I was mocked, and by that I mean by like the two people who knew I was still <laughs> covering the Pelicans at ESPN. Um, but he looks really good. I was watching him yesterday. He just, I mean, I don't know if the Clippers will ever get past maybe like the four seed. That's probably their ceiling. But he just does a lot out there. I love him kind of unhinged and like not having to worry about Chris Paul. He no longer has like PTSD. Like he's just worried someone's going to tap him on the shoulder and be like, dog, get out of here. Yeah, right. Um, but like his shot looks really good. I remember watching him in some of those like 
uh, midnight Hawaii games, and he was just hitting three-pointers, and he hit a few last night. He was three for six, and that's like a big thing for this team. If you're going to play DJ and Blake in the front court, someone's going to be able to shoot. Just small side note, how fun is it that we don't anymore know what the Clippers' ceiling is? Like, for the last how many years we've been like, we know exactly where this team is going to go, and they're going to bust out. I don't even know how they're going to play on night tonight. That was sort of exactly. the fun thing it's of watching so them last fun. night. They looked pretty crisp for a bunch of guys who have all had, like, massive lower body injuries <laughs> over the course <laughs> right. of their careers. Like, I mean, Danilo even, like, has, like, that... Danilo has now entered that zone that, like, every time he gets the ball, I'm like, I hope his ACL doesn't rupture. But yeah. watch it was like, just great to watch him, and to watch him just, like, playing with Milos and doing, like, these little, like... like Pick and pops, and it was right. just great. I, right. I, just, I, I was like, this is a fun little team. I mean, yeah. the prayer is the same, that they can all stay healthy, but we no longer know like what they can do if they all can stay healthy, which is very exciting. Yeah, I have no idea. And, and, and that, that it'll be really exciting to see them in the playoffs. Gal looks like he's been eating too many burgers with Milos, though. <laughs> Like, does that dude ever run a, like a, a wind sprint? No, I know he did. Def- he, he looked a little bit like uh, Andrew Bogut meets like uh, like a tight end claimed off of injured reserve who's just there to fill out a practice squad. Apparently, this is the season of guys like entering and being like, uh, not in great shape. Like they didn't just have an entire summer to get in shape. Even yeah, his mohawk wasn't like finely quaffed. Like no. there's no gel in that mohawk. <laughs> not, I think it was not a Gortat. Yeah, I, at least get your mohawk right. Uh, I don't care. I'm dying on this hill. Nobody's really challenging me on this, but I I just wanted to throw out there: John Wall is an outsider MVP candidate. Um, yep. I think a couple of the guys. I think it's going to be a strange MVP year, which mm-hmm. is uh, just because it's it's kind of LeBron's to lose because. He doesn't have Kyrie on the team. I think everybody's like, we kind of messed up by not giving it to him two years ago when he obviously was the MVP. Right. Uh, you can always do the Warriors are canceling each other out stuff. You could do the Paul Harden canceling each, each other out stuff. Now you can do a lot of the best Thunder players canceling cancel each other, other out. Exactly. It's like, this is LeBron's team, and if they go to the finals again, I feel like, you know, or if they look like they're on their way to the finals again. Plus, I, Eastern Conference teams are going to look so much more impressive. Right. What John Wall does is going but to look if, so much more impressive. But if the Wizards come in second in the Eastern Conference, I feel like John Wall is is going to get consideration for the MVP. Okay, I agree. I don't, even, it, I don't know why I would die on this hill since no one has challenged me. It would be sort of a, a reckless death. Well, I guess you're living, so. Well, what I think is interesting <laughs> is that we all find the Raptors super boring. Yes. And the Wizards are yeah, kind oh of like storyline. Oh my God, we have not line. talked about the Raptors at all. Like, yeah. not just on this podcast, I think it's because nobody on the Raptors can do what John Wall does on a given exactly. night. So if Kyle Lowry, if you swap Kyle Lowry for John Wall, you might not get radically different records from those teams, mm-hmm. but everybody would be like, league pass alert, like, John Wall on the Raptors just dunked on a dude, you know? They're way more interesting for that reason. Although it'll be be really fascinating. They've already started talking a little bit about DeMar DeRozan is the person who has to change the most now that they've they've jumped their offense up to 2014. And, (laughs) you know, that everybody else is pretty comfortable chucking threes, but that DeMar has to get used to, like, the ball either needs to be shot or moved, you know, right. and you can't just like kind of find your spot at 11 feet and do a turnaround jumper. Yeah, the uh, the Raptors toying with a three pointer in preseason, I thought was low key like one of the the weirdest things. Yeah, it's like kind of a, an acknowledgement that they need to change. But then even I think Dwayne Casey came out and was like, "Oh, that's not really our game." So yeah, <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to mention just as we wrap up here, and uh, you, you could call this like a little bit of concern trolling, which I think we'll do a fair amount of on this podcast, but. Uh, I do want to just throw this out there, and this is somewhat somewhat influenced by the Lakers-Clippers game, very much influenced by the Blazers-Suns game, which was this, like a pretty brutal blowout. I think it was the worst loss in Suns history. Yeah, looking good, Suns. Um, that the gap between the top and the bottom is a little, little, little off. Uh, that you want to have some sense of parity in this league, that on any given night a team could beat another team. And I'm sure that, like, 
People were all fired up to come out there. Maybe Blazers really people are doubting us. Suns just have a bunch of 19 year olds. But it, the one, I don't know whether this is a trickle down effect of the super teams, but that the bad teams are really, really, really bad. And the Knicks are garbage. And the Suns are really bad. And that these teams might get rocked every night. Now, that being said, the Magic one, you know what I mean? The Hawks one. So it's some of the teams that we thought were going to be god awful have already gotten W's. But. I was a little bit stunned. And, you, you know, when you think about, so they trade Chris Paul to the Rockets. The Clippers get completely restocked. You know, no, no, no one player who's as good as Chris Paul, but a bunch of players who are really useful from like, you know, like Decker and Beverly. And then they just get all these guys. That's all those guys are not going to really bad teams to help fill out the Knicks roster. You know, that's why Ron Baker is, like, trying to play like Pete Maravich last night. <laughs> so I w- I'm a little concerned about the competitiveness in the league on a night-to-night basis. It won't stop everybody's enjoyment of it. And if anything, I feel like the NBA feels like such an antidote to the football season we're having so far. I would say that, but that's my feeling. But what do you think? Am I am I crazy for saying that, like, I'm a little worried that the bottom is too low? I actually do think I'm not going to call you crazy, but I do think that that's an overreaction because I think there are fewer. Now, granted, we're like what two games in, one to two games in, but I think that there are fewer worse teams than there are last year. Really, I think the yeah, Eastern I Conference th- is way worse this Who year. Who in the West didn't get better except for the Suns? Well, the Lakers. Even, well, <laughs> yeah. no. We thought, yeah, yeah, we thought that they were. No, a lot better. I, I yeah. know. I, I see what you you're saying. You know what I mean? Yes. And maybe that's like okay, yeah, but everyone left the East, and we'll just have to see because a lot of those teams, it's like. Honestly, I don't know. I thought that the Heat, it's we're one game in, so I don't want to overreact, but I thought that the Heat were going to be uh, like a, the team that you weren't expecting to come out and like be very good and competitive, you know, with because in the East, yeah, the upper tier is a lot more alarming and like prominent. Justin, maybe I'm overreacting to, I mean, you're, you, you make a really good point, and then maybe I'm just overreacting to the fact that the Suns lost by scoring 76 points, right? But like the Pacers and the Nets aren't good, but they had a shootout. So I'm like, fine. If you guys want to score, like, if you guys want to go 132, 128, or whatever it was, right. then right. That, that that looks fun. Right. All the teams that we thought in the East were going to be terrible might actually end up being average just by comparison. Except for the Knicks, yeah. Yeah, except for the Knicks. <laughs> so, like, exact, like, the Heat, maybe the Pistons, uh, the Nets. Although, you know, without Jeremy, that's going to be tougher. Um, the Pacers. Yeah, I was ready to say, like, I enjoyed some Eastern Conference basketball the other night. Yeah, Eastern Sixers, Conference and New Western watch Conference. Watch a little magic. Yeah, I was just going to say that. We love doing this. Um, but, like, Wizards, Sixers, that was a fun game. Yeah. Like, you start to, I think because the bar was set so low, you start to appreciate some of the things that they do have. Like, they have a lot of fun guys in those teams. Um, but one thing I think you're getting at, though, is I think we're in kind of an era where uh, it's the NBA is better to be a league-wide fan than just mm-hmm. a fan of Team X. Yes. Like, and I don't really know many people who say they're a diehard X. Like, there are a lot of Lakers fans, especially out here. Right. That's uh, a good point. But, like, most people I know just love the league, and they just gravitate toward the stars. And so for that reason, I think the league is great for that. Right. On Twitter, the whole thing is like, well, if LeBron goes to the Lakers, I guess I'm going to be a Lakers fan. Yes. It's yeah. wherever these guys go. If you if you loved Paul George last however many years, now you're probably going to watch a lot more Oklahoma City. Yeah, I also, I mean, it, it almost feels like, I mean, this probably speaks more to, like, the the bias in my timeline, but the degree to which, like, even normal fans have become, like, a- a- amateur sports writers. So they have, like, people are just, like, developing more opinions about teams. Why don't you teams. just at me? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're a pro now. Uh, 
the, the degree to which even amateur fans are developing like quasi pro takes on like anything from Giannis playing on the block. Yeah, to, that's true. And they're using all these like like advanced statistics yeah, and like the I mean, spacing like, terms. No, I get that. And it's a lot more fun. It makes the league a lot more interesting, like you said, to watch as a whole. Maybe I wouldn't have this opinion at all if it wasn't for the overarching kind of narrative about tanking. And the idea that, like, well, right. look, if you don't have a shot at the title, you might as well play for a, a pick. No, and that makes sense. But who do we know for sure one to two games in is tanking this year? The Suns. The Suns. The Mavs. <laughs> probably. The Suns. The, the, like, definitely the Suns. You know, who else do we know for sure? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I, I have still, no reason to be concerned. I still think the Hawks are going to be really bad. Yeah. Probably. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you guys have any concern trolls before we go? Uh, yes. Minnesota's defense. <laughs> Good God. I was like one of the people who were like, no, it's going to be so much better. Taj Gibson's great. You know, Jimmy Butler's great. They're really going to whip everyone into shape. But even the guys. So Cat looked really bad on defense. I'm just going to chalk that up to like one game in. Um, I thought Wiggins, by comparison to last year, looked fine. But Jeff Teague. Yeah, I, I, I've been saying all preseason, wow, it's such a contrast from Rubio on offense. You know, Rubio would never drive in with that power, but it's such a contrast on defense. Too. Turns out you were lying to yourself. Turns out, yes, exactly. <laughs> I needed to control concern, troll myself. But seriously, like last, was it last night that they played? No, uh, two, two nights, nights ago, ago, Tibbs pulled out Jeff Teague late in the game for Tyus because his defense had been so awful. Classic Tibbs affirmative move. No, that is classic Tibbs, and he really has grown to rely on Tyus to just be a reliable dude like late in the game. He did that a lot with Rubio because he can bring something very decent on both ends, whereas Rubio couldn't do it on offense. And, it, I mean, one game in, looks like Jeff Teague won't be able to do it on defense. Really quick concern troll for you. I had to ask the millennials in our office what control, uh, concern trolling was, so I, I think I get the gist of it now. I'm just going to point this out here. Love the Nets. Nets are looking good, man. I, I know things are bad with, like, Jeremy Lin. Wait, so you're, are That's you concerned about That's, the troll? You're, the, you're the a concerned. I think the troll. The con no, you're an optimistic. No, wait. I don't that get doesn't the even make sense. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I want to talk about It's when you're worried about something unnecessarily. I'm worried that people think that Jeremy Lin was a bigger part of this there team. You there you <laughs> go. That's a concern right, troll. Cool. Good job. Even though that injury made me very sad. Yeah, but Karis LeVert, yeah. watch out for my guy. Okay. Yeah. Hoodie Justin wants you to watch Karis LeVert. <laughs> Haley's concerned about the Minnesota defense, and I'm concerned about teams being bad. This has been NBA Group Chat. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, for Haley and Justin, take care.